take a phone call or knock at the door saying the one you love is gone. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast so you get every episode automatically every week. Be sure that you are receiving the weekly e-newsletter about the podcast too. I only send you an email once a week, no spam, and you only need to put in your email address, no other information, at nhte.net to sign up for that. Also, if you have questions or comments that you'd like to send to me, the email address is podcast at nhte.net. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who is originally from Florida, but also spends plenty of time in Nashville. She is in the company of some notable names, as we will discuss today, and has performed at some highly respected events and venues, including the Country Music Hall of Fame in Nashville and at the Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles. Along the way, she has also gotten support from Radio Disney, and she was an iHeartRadio Digital Artist of the Month and has performed at the iHeartRadio Live Sessions in New York City. Last year, she had almost 200,000 streams of her music on Spotify. You've been hearing a song of hers called Shot Down, Stand Up. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Liddy Clark. Hi, Bruce. How are you doing? Very good, Liddy. Thanks for making time to do this today. Of course, of course, I got nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, every week we always start off the show by having the guest talk about the song of theirs that was playing during the intro. So, Liddy, tell the audience all about the song Shot Down, Stand Up. Yeah, so um, I actually grew up in Parkland, Florida, which is where there was um, a shooting about two and a half years ago. Um, I was actually in my freshman year of college at the time, and I, yeah, it had a really big emotional impact on me, just, you know, being that far away from home and, you know, not really knowing exactly how to act in that situation or, you know, what was going on with my family and my close friends. And considering how small of a town Parkland is, like, everybody knows somebody that it has affected in a very large way. And so I wrote this song about three months after the fact that it had happened and I was on a writer's retreat up in New York and kind of the emotions had settled a little bit in my stomach and I was able to look at it more from a clear vantage point. And I decided to write the song because I was asked to perform at a Wear Orange event actually in Parkland, Florida at the Parkland Amphitheater. Mm. And the Wear Orange weekend, it's basically just a weekend where everybody wears orange to raise awareness for gun violence. And so being asked to perform at the Parkland Amphitheater, like I, you know, that was the first place I ever performed with a full band at the age of 15. And I like my eyelashes melted off there. So I have many, many memories of (laughs) the Parkland Amphitheater. And it was kind of turned into a memorial and a vigil after what had happened. And so Mm. um, I decided that since they asked me to perform there, I needed to write the song and I wanted to write it specifically for that performance and for everyone that I was going to be seeing for the first time in, you know, five, six months. And so I decided to write it at the writer's retreat. And then I came back about a week later and performed it. 
And it went over really well. A lot of people really loved it and were asking, you know, if I was ever going to release it or put it out online. And so that was when I decided that I wanted to actually uh, act the world and uh, not just, you know, people of Parkland to hear. Okay, okay. So did I miss it? Did you actually attend that high school or no? I did not. However, uh, Douglas is actually really close to my home. It's like less than a mile away. And, you know, I had my best friend's little sister went there and my neighbors went there and my little brother's best friend and my dad used to coach a basketball team where, gotcha. you know, gotcha. two of the kids on his team died. And wow. it's just, you know, there's stories everywhere and it it breaks my heart just, you know, knowing people that this has really affected so deeply. Yeah. And even though it did make national news, being that I live in Tampa, I feel like I was a little more aware of it because it's here in the Sunshine State where I am. So I'm certainly very familiar with it. I want to ask you, there's something that you said that made me wonder when a songwriter is going to write something about something so emotional, is it more difficult to write it when it's still, when the emotions are still really, really, really present and, and really strong inside, and you do need to move on and, and get a little space and time between yourself and whatever the incident is that you're writing about? Or is it, no, Bruce, that's when you do want to write about it, when everything is fresh and emotional and, and the thoughts are flowing? Well, that's interesting because I feel like me as a songwriter, I definitely need to get space and time away from the emotion and the happening of the event. And, you know, sometimes like right when it's happening, I, you know, write every day I have a journal and I'll write down kind of, you know, what my exact emotions and feelings are. But I don't necessarily like put them into one like cohesive song format. It's really just more of like a free flowing thing. And so, you know, if or when I come back to it, like a few weeks later, a few days later, depending on like what I'm feeling at the time, I can always look back on that as like notes from, you know, the more emotional time. And I feel like I just think with a clearer head and can organize a song structure more clearly when I'm not super emotional because I, I am see. a very emotional person. So, well, I like hearing that. And listeners, you know, I'm always trying to bring you different insights like this. And despite the fact that the show has been going every week for more than six years, I don't know that this is something that we've really talked about. And because we hear about so many breakup songs, I think my mind actually went there more so than a real life tragedy, such as a school shooting, but still interesting to get your perspective on that. And listeners, I wish you could see this list of topics that I want to cover with Liddy. Wow. <laughs> she has done a lot in her young career. There's no doubt that after we finish this interview, she and I are going to have plenty to continue talking about when we record some bonus content, which, by the way, will only be available exclusively through the Patreon for this show. And I mentioned this on last week's episode, but in case you didn't hear that, I think I should clarify in case you have heard me talk about the extra audio that's put out through that, through Patreon. These are turning out to be pretty hardy files. I had said last week that... The previous six bonus files on Patreon had averaged 23 minutes in length, and then I ended up with one that was 25-plus minutes to go with the Laura Pieri podcast episode. So you're practically getting half of another NHTE episode. And what's better is this is all only 5 bucks a month. It gives you access to extra audio that I record every week with the podcast guest. So at four or five episodes per month, depending on how many Wednesdays there are, that's a dollar and a quarter or a dollar a week. There are currently 22 audio files up there, so Liddy Clark will be number 23 
And you can gain access to all those bonus conversations by going to the show website, nhte.net, and hitting the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button to go sign up. You will then also automatically get access to all the bonus recordings that come out every week hereafter. I also do some behind-the-scenes type stuff on those in addition to the conversations with the guests. And as I said, it's all available for just 5 bucks a month. Just go to nhte.net and use the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button to go sign up for all the bonus audio. And one other clarification is, I shouldn't say this, but you can cancel at any time. Don't think that the $5 a month reference means that you're actually signing up for a term longer than that, and that's what it breaks down to. You decide how long you want to continue to receive all these extra recordings. Liddy, there is a video that was released early last year for Shot Down Stand Up, the song that we were just talking about. Almost 66,000 views of it on your YouTube channel. By chance, did you come back here to Florida to make that video? Was that shot at Stoneman Douglas High School where the shooting took place? It wasn't actually. I was still out in Los Angeles at the time. I believe I had just kind of started my sophomore year out here. And it's really funny with that video because I actually got to kind of write and have some of my really good friends direct it. My friends are actually my roommates now. And so I'm living with them out here. And um, yeah, it was kind of the first time I had ever done that. And, you know, USC has a really good film school. And so, you know, one of my friends is in the film school. And so she got to, you know, help write the treatment and we kind of wrote it together. And she, you know, directed the video essentially along with Brad Wong. And it was just such a great experience because I feel like I already am so vulnerable with like the people I'm closest to in my life. And so getting to share that experience as well with them and getting to create art around it, that's just kind of the dream. I mean, and the video, we shot it at a high school out here in L.A. Um, we didn't go back to Parkland just because it was going to take too much time and too much you know, money and people and stuff. And I didn't feel like we needed to use Stoneman Douglas specifically, especially after everything that had happened. Like, I don't want to, you know, walk all over there like it's a zoo or something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, we shot the video and I think we shot it in one day. I'm pretty sure we did. There was talk of doing a two-day treatment, but we only did it in one day, just one very, very long day. And it was it was a really good experience. I still keep in contact with a lot of the kids that were on set that day, and we follow each other on Instagram, and I see they're doing well. But it was just such an emotional day for everyone just because of the topics that we were covering and, Mm. you know, the different shots of the video we got to do, you know, with the posters and the signs and then the locker and the fence with the memorial on it, like all of those scenes were kind of taken directly from what I'd seen at Stoneman Douglas. Okay. Cause I had actually, I'd gone home for spring break and that was maybe only about a month after everything had happened. And okay, I got to, you know, I, unfortunately I drive past Stoneman Douglas every time I come from and leave my house. Mm. And so I would always see like the fence that had all of the flowers on it and the graves that were there. And just it was really a lot and so I kind of took all of those images and wanted to put that into the video and it was really great because the video turned out exactly how we wanted it and it really portrayed the message that I was trying to put across and actually uh, one of the other hidden messages is um, not really a hidden message but at the end of the video there's a phone call 
And I believe it's either 17 or 18 missed calls at that point from mom. And it's asking the kid, where are you? What's happening? And that was taken directly from something that had happened in the Stoneman Douglas. My mom is friends with someone who knows somebody who was like a first responder. And so she was telling my mom that, you know, as she was walking through the school and there was the smoke everywhere and the bodies on the floor, she saw like one kid's phone who had died on the floor and it was basically just blowing up with texts from their mom mm. asking, are you okay? Where are you? Please wow. answer. Wow. God, please answer me. Wow. And obviously that didn't turn out great for the mom. And so it was just, it. Yeah. So we decided to include that in the video. And mm. I believe we did 18 missed calls kind of to represent how you know, if nothing changes, like this is just going to keep going on and on and it's going to keep happening and the the cycle doesn't stop unless you stop it. Well, and you did a great job with everything that you're describing because, you know, seeing the fence and the memorials that you're describing, that's what raised the question in my head as I watched the video. I thought, well, did she go back and actually capture all this right at Stoneman Douglas? Because it looks, the way that you set everything up made it look like you were there. But I want to back up because what you described initially, and, and I'm talking to those of you in the audience who are aspiring performers yourself, don't miss the element of collaboration that Liddy talked about, which is, you know, Liddy, I could kind of see you going, you know, look, I, I, I'm a songwriter. I don't write treatments. So, like, I write the song and I kind of have a picture in my head of what I want this to look like on a video. But you're the filmmaker. You 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 make my, my vision in my head become a reality on screen, just like how you get song ideas in your head and you make them become a reality through audio. So I, I love that you're able to band together you know, with your friends, your roommates, and and come up with this, everybody drawing on their own talents. Yeah, no, I think, especially with songs, whenever I am writing them, it's never just like audio for me. It's always, I can see, you know, colors in my head, and I can see a picture of, you know, what I want the artwork to look like, and what I want the video to look like, and how I kind of want to portray it online, and just sort of the aura around it. And so, I I mean, songs are never just songs to me. It's kind of just like this huge piece of, you know, collaborative work that, you know, sometimes I don't have the proper skill set to, you know, write a proper video treatment or, you know, create the cover artwork because I am definitely not a graphic designer. (laughs) But I I am able to, like, provide the notes and provide the vision and kind of direct people in the way that I see it happening. And so that's definitely something great to have and to be able to work with people because you know you know specific is good especially in this industry yeah nicely said nicely said in the intro i mentioned that you are as you mentioned just now originally from florida and i also said that you travel to nashville regularly and have even performed in new york city but tell the audience why you're out in los angeles yeah so i'm currently i just finished my junior year of college uh, via Zoom, obviously. But um, yeah, I am getting ready to, you know, sort of start looking at apartments out here still. And I'm going to be going back home to Florida in a few weeks after my birthday. My birthday is actually in a week. So that's exciting. And I'm going to celebrate that out here with my friends. Well, I want to circle back to Florida and your early years. This show has gotten listeners from 153 countries around the world, so some of the listeners are just being introduced to you for the first time. At age nine, you signed with a talent agent in Miami and began working professionally as a model and actor, which included modeling for brands like American Girl and starring in the first commercial for The X Factor. 
with those kinds of placements that early on, why did you not stick with modeling and acting? What made you decide you just wanted to pursue music? That's really interesting. Um, well, modeling, I've always had, you know, sort of body dysmorphia and a few different issues with that. And so I think I was just, I was cute as a kid and I think I'm cute now, but it's more just, I don't necessarily think that I fit that type of modeling anymore. And so that's kind of why I decided to take myself out of it. But I still do like a little bit of acting on the side, just mainly for screen and TV. But as far as like musicals, I used to do musicals a lot as a kid and I was like Annie three times because of my hair. (laughs) And I think why I decided to kind of get out of that was not because I didn't love it, but because I felt like I could express myself more or more naturally through producing my own music and creating my own type of art instead of, you know, just singing what other people had written before. I think there's always been kind of a writer inside of me. And so I always like to appease that and, you know, try and create as much art as I can. Well, you might be interested to learn and certainly listeners, you might want to check this out yourself if you never have before. But way back on episode 167, I actually interviewed Aileen Quinn, who played Annie in the 1982 motion picture, Annie. And that's uh, one that we did live on location. We were both together in Anaheim, California. You can go back and check that out. I'll put a link to it on Liddy's show page on nhte.net. I want to also establish here, Liddy, while we're talking about how you kind of got started in music. You have a cousin named Drew who sang background vocals on the Leanne Womack song, I Hope You Dance. And he also wrote Kenny Chesney's number one smash hit, She's Got It All. In my preparation for today's interview, it seems to me as though he has been a big help with this music career that you've launched. Yes? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, he and the rest of my dad's cousins, my dad has 17 cousins. We're from Texas. We have large families out there. And yeah, no, they, uh, Drew, Trace, and Tim, they were all in a band called Sons of the Desert in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I think they were signed to Sony at one point. They did a lot of really cool stuff back in the day. And they've been able to kind of help guide me through essentially, you know, starting a career in music and trying to pursue, you know, either going the major label route or finding some other way to sustain what I'm doing. And so, it's just been great to be able to like go to them for advice. And, you know, I was able to actually have Drew sing background vocals on my version of I Hope You Dance. So that was really great. Um, Yeah. And just being able to have family that kind of understands what's going on in the business and is really just like so there for you no matter what is so essential. Okay. Now hold on because we talked about LA. I made a few references to Nashville. We of course talked about Florida. I even made a reference to New York City, but now you're mentioning Texas. So were you born in Florida or were you born in Texas? I was born in Texas. I lived there until I was like seven years old. Yeah, no, my entire family is from Texas. So we always go back there every year. And yeah, you know, country girl at heart. (laughs) (laughs) So how does a girl from Texas end up in Parkland, Florida? Uh, My dad actually got a job down in Sunrise. And Uh. so... He needed to move there for work, and so we decided, you know, might as well, and we moved to Florida. 
And now I'm in California. I just, I have a lot of geography. (laughs) I've been a lot of places. And even though I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, I think that only people who are Florida Panthers fans probably know where Sunrise is. I, I went down there to see the lightning play the Panthers. So I can actually say I've been to sunrise. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. No, I grew up going to the BB and T center it used to be called the bank Atlantic. And I've been to so many Panthers games down there. It's so funny. Cool. Uh, I actually got on the big screen one time with my friends when we were like 12 and that was the most <laughs> exciting thing that had ever happened. <laughs> oh, that's neat. It's a small world after all, as they say an hour to the East of me at Disney. Uh, while we're putting some names out there, you just mentioned about your cousin. Talk about the EP that you put out last year and who you worked with on that. Yeah, so my EP, it was actually my first EP I had ever released. It's called Testing the Waters. I put it out last year, and I worked with a producer down in South Florida. His name's Pete Massetti. We had a lot of really great players come on the record, including Luke Bryan's guitar player and you know, we got some really great feedback from them. And like every time they would be like, wow, this is a really cool song. And that's, that's kind of like one of the most exciting things for a songwriter to hear is when, you know, you're tracking your songs and the other musicians are like digging it. It's kind of like a little bit of validation because I'm always, you know, scared that, you know, as a singer, you can kind of feel insecure about being, you know, quote unquote, a real musician. And so it's, it's nice to be able to hear the validation and to be hearing it from people who are, you know, as world renowned as them. And yeah, no, that EP was really exciting for me to put out. Those were some of the first songs I had ever written, truly. And it took me a while to get them out there. And now I'm actually working on my first full length album. And so they're more of the songs that I've written during college and a little bit before. And so I'm excited just to continue the journey with that. Is it safe to assume that it was called Testing the Waters because it was you saying, here I go, I'm going to test the waters, I'm going to actually put recorded music out there and see how I do with this whole music business. Essentially, yeah. I mean, it was also called that just because like each of the tracks were very different from each other. I feel like each of them kind of specified like a different facet of kind of the sound that I was going for. And I was really trying to see like which songs resonated with people the most and which songs kind of, you know, hit home for most people and kind of figuring out like what my sound is. And I still was figuring out what my sound was at the time. And I was really just trying to, you know, test the waters hypothetically and, (laughs) you know, figure out what exactly I was doing because I didn't know. And I mean, I still don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I have a better idea now of who I am as an artist and as a person and what kind of content I want to put out into the world. And so, that's what I think is really going to come across with all new music that I'm putting out. I like it. I like it. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles by singer, songwriter, guitar player Liddy Clark. Visit her official website at liddyclark.com. I will have a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on her website, use the icons there to engage with Liddy on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Just like this show, her music is on SoundCloud, and you can follow Liddy on Spotify, but be sure to support her by purchasing downloads of her music from iTunes, which is also called Apple Music. You just heard her talk about the EP she released last year, and another single came out since then. Of course, keep up with Liddy online as well for other news and developments. I mentioned earlier about the Patreon for this show. Check out the bonus audio, which is ad-free, by going to the show website, nhte.net, and hit the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button. It's only $5 a month. 
And don't forget that another way you can support the show is through your regular everyday purchases on Amazon. It's no extra cost to you, so you're able to support NHTE without taking extra money out of your pocket. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, scroll down to the tall Amazon banner, and then once you click that, it will open their shopping app if you're on your phone, or it will open their website if you're on your computer. Either way, at the end of the transaction, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with the expenses I have for putting out a new episode of this show every week. And by the way, I don't even see what you bought. So thanks for your support of the show through the exclusive ad-free bonus audio on Patreon or by starting your online shopping through my Amazon banner. Liddy, I mentioned in the intro that you have performed at some notable venues and events. We're right now at the time of year when, if it weren't for the darn pandemic, we would be talking about CMA Fest. You were part of that last year. Talk about that experience. Yeah, I mean, CMA Fest is definitely one of my favorite events to perform at every year, just because of all of the fans that are in town for the event and really getting to connect with people there. Um, last year, I performed. Did I perform? I'm trying to remember. It's It's been like five years since January. <laughs> and time is not a real thing anymore. Um, I you think did I perform. You year. did perform because I saw a social media post that you had that showed everywhere that you were going to be during CMA Fest. And oh, it was yes. it was littered with performances, with meet and greets, all kinds of stuff that you were doing. I remember that. I think my favorite thing that I did during that time, I mean, there were so many cool things. I remember getting to do different writers rounds there and ooh, where I did a meet and greet. I know. I did a meet and greet in the actual fanfare. I know because whenever you go into the actual fanfare as an artist, you get a little sticker and I've been putting stickers on my guitar for like the past four or five years, <laughs> my guitar case, that being, and it's, it's really cute kind of to see the progression of like which days I've gone and which days I have performed there and stuff. And I still don't have a Sunday sticker, but I'm planning on getting that someday. And yeah, no, one of my favorite things that I got to do during CMA Fest last year is I actually had like a meet and greet with fans at Cafe Intermezzo in Nashville. And I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's like one of my favorite restaurants. I think it might be my favorite restaurant. I discovered mm -hmm. it in the Atlanta airport because, you know, I spend a lot of time in airports <laughs> and I spend a lot of time on Pinterest figuring out like where to go eat when I'm in a new city or where to, you know, go do a hike or something. I really like exploring new cities. That's one of my favorite things. And so I found Cafe Intermezzo there and then they opened up a location in Nashville and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened. I really need to like show people what this place is. And so we did a meet and greet there and I got to give some items away to fans, some different t-shirts. And I think we might've given away CDs as well. And it was just the most exciting thing because, you know, people would walk into the restaurant and I'd be like, hi. And then I would, you know, get to hug them and like actually talk to people in person. And I miss that so much. I really do. Well, but tell me this, though. There's listeners to this show who are aspiring performers themselves, and they're listening every week to learn from me and from the guests. So I wonder, were you able to tell if you were able to gain new fans from your participation both meet and greets as well as performing at CMA Fest? 1,000%, yes. Wow, wow. I think, I think the best way to create fans and genuine connections with people, because that's, you know, what fans are. It's people who connect with you because of your music and because of who you are personally. And I think one of the best ways to do that is live performances and, you know, meet and greets and getting to really, like, 
talk to people and not, you know, just through a screen. I mean, you can do what you can on social media, but getting to, you know, share stories with people and getting, you know, that real life physical interaction is so important. Mm. And yeah, I I miss it greatly. And I think that's one of the things that's going to be missing from the music industry for the next however many months this lasts. And yeah, no, I definitely 100% recommend live performances and meet and greets for getting to get out there and meet fans and meet people who might connect with you on your music. Okay, but CMA Fest is a very high-profile, very in-demand event. Do you happen to remember how you were able to get booked at CMA Fest? Oh, man, I think they changed the process a few years ago to where, like, you have to submit now on their website. And I've been performing there for, like, the last four or five years, so I think they knew me already. Uh, okay. And so they knew that, like, I could bring people in and that, you know, I I think I've built myself a good reputation in that town. And so, yeah, I think just building your reputation in that town is definitely so important and being nice to every single person you meet. I think that's one of the things I most highly recommend for any up and coming singer songwriter or anybody who wants to pursue this type of career is just be really, really, really freaking nice. Because, you know, especially in Nashville, like there are so many talented people, you you know, walk across the street to a gas station, and there's someone who can sing, who can like out sing anybody in the town. It's insane. And you can never really be sure that you're the most talented person in the room, but you can be the nicest person in the room. Mm. And I think that's the most important thing, just because there are so many people who are difficult to work with because of, you know, egos or attitudes or whatever. And, you know, people don't have much patience for that because, like, there's another really talented person waiting behind you in line. So, yeah, just just be a good person. Wonderfully said. I, lo- I love that advice. That that quote will definitely be on the show page for this episode on the website. But, you know, the other thing is that you don't know who people know. So if you establish that reputation, the one that you don't want to establish, the word will travel fast. And similarly, a lot of the people that you run across in Nashville may not look like they're a singer or a songwriter because they're doing whatever they have to do to keep a steady paycheck coming in, being a server at a restaurant or whatever the case is, whatever side job they have. So you do want to be nice to everybody because you can end up seeing that person later on that night at a writer's round and saying, oh gosh, that's the person that I blew off this afternoon because I thought it was better than them. So really, really good insight from you, Liddy. Something else that I mentioned in the intro was Radio Disney. Do you still get support from them? Is there anything still today with you and Radio Disney? And I guess, same question, how did you first get connected with them? Yeah, no, I still keep in contact with uh, Phil, the guy who's head of Radio Disney Country and a lot of the different uh, hosts over there. Uh, I love them. They've been supporting me for years now, and they continue to support me in all of my new music. Um, I got connected with them, I believe, right before I started college. It was during my gap year. I was doing a radio tour type of thing, and so I was meeting a lot of different radio stations, and Radio Disney Country had just launched at the time, and so they were really interested in meeting new artists and getting to hear kind of the fresh, young perspective of female artists in the industry. They're extremely supportive of female country music artists, and I think that's one of the coolest things that I've seen from radio stations recently is just how supportive they are. And yeah, no, I love Radio Disney Country so much. I got to perform on their CMA Fest stage a few years ago, and like it was the first year they had had the CMA Fest stage, and now it's grown into such a huge thing. 
or it would be, you know, if we were still going in yeah. a few weeks, sad face. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm so proud of everything that they've become and how much they've grown over the past few years. And I really can't wait to see, you know, what they do with their platform and how they're able to support new female artists coming up in the industry. Cause I think that's so huge. Oh, that's really great to hear. You have opened for some very notable artists. Listeners, check this out. Chris Stapleton, Scotty McCreary, Jake Owen, Joe Nichols. Uh, Liddy, fun experiences, I'm sure. But did you also find those to be helpful to your career in terms of learning from those opportunities? Definitely. I think you can learn something from every live performance that you do. And I definitely learned something every time, you know, I was graciously able to open up for like these amazing artists and people who, you know, I've listened to in the back of my mom's minivan for, you know, the past five years or so. Mm. And Mm. I think one of the most important things I've learned is just to be kind to other people. I know I've said it before, but especially like with those main headliners, like I don't expect them to, you know, come and talk to me. I am Liddy Clark, especially at the time when I was like, you know, 15, 16 years old, I was just starting out and getting these amazing opportunities. And so they they still did. They still did come to talk to me and wanted to see like what my experience was and how I was doing. And I think that's one of the most like that's one of the things that stuck in my head the most over the past few years is those artists that will come and talk to their openers and will, you know, stay after the show and talk to fans. It's those people that are willing to put in the extra effort and really get to know the people around them that, you know, they make it and they actually end up, you know, making an impact, making an impact on the world. And that's kind of what I want to do. And for anybody else who's out there trying to make an impact on the world, that's something you should do as well. Well, as a fan, I think those of you who are listening that are not in the music industry, I think that's encouraging to hear. Is it not that these headliners are going and making time to talk to the opener? So I'm glad that you shared that with us, Liddy. Uh, Speaking of lessons learned, I understand that you got some advice from Garth Brooks. Tell the audience where and how you got that opportunity, as well as, of course, what did he say to you? Yeah, so that was kind of the most wild experience I've ever had. Um, I was performing at the Country Music Hall of Fame. It was January a few years ago, and there were a bunch of different artists that were performing. We all had like 10-minute time slots. It was for some sort of radio thing that was going on. And I remember I was in the dressing room and Garth Brooks just like casually walks in like wearing a Garth Brooks hat and like a T-shirt and just being super chill. And he went up to each of my band members and introduced himself as Garth. And they were like, oh, my God, are you like the Garth? And I was like, yes, he is. <laughs> and, he, you know, he took a picture with all of us. He actually ended up being like a surprise guest of the day mm. for the people in the audience at the Country Music Hall of Fame. And so he went on right before me. So I can technically say that Garth Brooks has opened for me. (laughs) (laughs) He gave a talk to the radio people. But I was lucky enough to be able to be in the same room as Garth Brooks and to be able to have a Garth story now. And yeah, the advice that he gave me was that you should always, you know, tell people where you're from and you should always make sure that people know as much information about you as possible because people really do want to connect to you on that level. And it was also really great because he had stayed there after my performance and he let me know that I had a really pretty voice. And I was like, oh, my God, Garth wow. Brooks knows what I sound like. That is so crazy. Wow. And yeah. No, he's just everyone knows how kind Garth Brooks is. And so I'm just I feel so grateful to have a Garth Brooks story now. Amazing. 
Well, I have an indirect one. Uh, listeners, if you never heard it, go way, way, way back in the early days of Now Hear This Entertainment. And Johnny Garcia is the guitar player for Garth Brooks. And he was on this show to this day, after all these years, Now Hear This Entertainment has been every week for more than six years. And to this day, that is far and away easily the most listened to episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. So if you never heard of it, and by the way, if you're an up-and-comer in the business, Johnny was really kind and really generous with his time and information, talked a lot about the business itself. So it's episode 24, and I will put a link to that on the show page for Liddy's episode at nhte.net. But Johnny Garcia, Garth's guitar player, really good interview back in the early days of this show. I also want to mention my friends at Access Vegas. And for those of you that have listened for a while and said, how does this guy who tells us that he lives in Tampa, Florida, know so much about Las Vegas? I only go there like once a year. So the way that I know as much as I do is from reading the Access Vegas newsletter. And so especially now in this pandemic, when more things are starting to open back up and you're going to wonder, are the casinos opening? Are they changing the rules? What can I expect when I go there? What are the casinos doing, the hotels? The best way to find out is by subscribing to the Access Vegas newsletter. And if you still have questions after you read it, you can write to the editor and he will answer you back. They have a Q&A with him in there. There's an archive in there. I revealed recently that I said, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I will anyways, that they have a private Facebook group. So go to the show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and put in the code BRUCE at sign up to get $5 off. That's something that I watch my inbox for. There's so much spam that comes nowadays, so many emails that we don't want. That's one of the ones that I do look forward to getting. And then I end up spending all this time reading all the great information because it's from people who are there in Las Vegas and have been reporting on the city and the goings-on for many, many years. So do the same thing that I do. Read the Access Vegas newsletter. Go to the website nhte.net. Click on the Access Vegas logo and put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off at sign up. Liddy, I understand that you're currently working on new music. What has been your recording process, though, given that we have been under the quarantine for well over two months now? Yeah, so I managed to record a lot of the songs, uh, about 13 of them so far. Wow. And I recorded most of the vocals back in December and early January. But I've been able to kind of use my home studio setup here to record different overdubs and other lead vocals that I've been having to do. And yeah, no, it's been crazy and so useful just because like I've been meaning to set up a home studio for a while now. So I could like actually do professional demos of my songs and now I can and it's great. And I'm, you know, kind of learning more about the audio engineering side of music. And I don't know, I feel like it's really great whenever you do get to learn about a different facet of music and you know being a producer is such an asset that somebody can have as a songwriter and I think that's something that I'm trying to learn right now. Okay so recording in a home studio though I know there's a lot of people out there who are going to say how is she recording what is she using so at least what software are you using but if there's any hardware that you want to mention I'm sure that there's some techies out there that would be interested in knowing what you're using. Yeah, so currently I'm using Logic. Uh, I also do have Pro Tools on my laptop, but I find Logic is easier to use. And I have, I don't know exactly what type of microphone I have, but I know that it's one of those microphones that you can 
like change in software to be one of like eight different microphones. It's very cool, very interesting and something super useful to have, especially if you plan on recording anyone other than yourself and, you know, they have different vocal qualities and stuff. And so, yeah, I also am using the Arrow Thunderbolt um, interface for what I'm plugging my microphone into and what is subsequently being plugged into my MacBook. And that's it, actually. I just, you know, I have the adapter and I've got, you know, some super nice high quality headphones. And that's all you really need to be able to record from home. Okay, but let's get back to the fact that you said 13 songs, and I think you said so far. So, wow. <laughs> what, where, what, is there an, another EP coming this year, or are you working towards a full album? Where is all this music going that, that you're talking about that you've been recording at home? Um, That's a good question. Um, we're really just kind of recording all of the songs that I think I might be wanting to release. And so... I'm kind of right, like recording them as I'm writing them, and we're planning on releasing an album, I believe, at least like one song before the end of the year. It's really just a lot of music kind of to package together and be able to put out sort of as my brand and my image from now on. And so who knows if it'll stay 13 songs. It might go up to like 18 or 20 or I don't know how many we're going to release at this point, but I'm in like a super creative mode right now. So I definitely want to get as much done as possible. Yeah, you read my mind because I was going to say it's 13 now, but will there be more? So you're in a super creative mood right now, creative mode. Does that mean that you've actually, the creative juices have been really flowing despite the pandemic going on for the last two and a half months? I mean, it kind of comes in waves as far as, you know, when I'm feeling really creative and I want to write like nonstop versus when I'm basically just like staring at the ceiling and praying for something to happen. (laughs) And yeah, no, I definitely think it comes in waves and you shouldn't expect yourself to be creative or on all the time, just especially with what's going on in the world. It can be kind of you know, mood shifting, and it can really bring a person down. And so I think expecting yourself to be able to create all the time isn't something that is isn't something that is reasonable to expect of yourself. And so I think, you know, just doing what you can in this time is important and just trying to remain as normal as possible. Well, before we head towards the closing song here, let's just have a little fun. I want to back up uh, the Garth Brooks story aside. Let's just go with the four names that I mentioned before. Chris Stapleton, Scotty McCreary, Jake Owen, Joe Nichols. From those four, is there one story that stands out in your head? Maybe it was just your favorite or maybe it was something unique that happened or any of them spring to mind in terms of, okay, I will tell you a story about when I opened for which one of those guys. Oh, man, it happened so many years ago that it's kind of hard to remember everything. But I remember Joe Nichols was just one of the nicest guys I've ever gotten to meet. And he was one of the people that definitely did talk to the opener backstage. And like Mm. we had a nice little chat and we got to talk about, you know, where I was from, how old I was, what I was doing. And he was just very encouraging of everything that I've gotten to do. I also remember that his show was just really cool because he had like three different acoustic guitar players on stage and. I love the acoustic guitar. I love the way it sounds. <laughs> it just, it was one of the most memorable things for me. Okay, so then since we talked about hardware before, I will ask you, instrument-wise, what type of guitar are you playing these days? Yeah, so I currently, I own two different guitars out here in LA, and I have a few more back home in Florida, but 
I'm only to have I'm only able to have two out here at the time just because my room is quite small. Uh, I own a Taylor. I believe it's a 27 CE. It's basically a Koa wood and it's it's really nice. It's like grand auditorium style. And I also have an Epiphone. It's an electric guitar. It's a Les Paul. And I've just started like learning how to play electric guitar and I just got an amp out here as well. And yeah, now I'm starting to learn more about, you know, different electric guitar skills and whatnot. And I'm hoping I'll be able to bring it on stage at some point soon. Nice. Nice. Well, we're going to close today with another song of yours, one called Hit and Run. Before you and I record more conversation for exclusive access through Patreon, tell the audience about this song, please. Hit and Run. Yeah, so Hit and Run, I wrote this song, gosh, how many years ago? A few years ago at this point, I co-wrote this song and I brought in the idea of, you know, a relationship being like a hit and run in terms of like, it ends so quickly and you don't really see it coming. And then, you know, it kind of just, you know, the oncoming car drives away, essentially, in the metaphor. And so it's basically just kind of being left with the damage and the wreck and not really knowing what to do with yourself and kind of just being very confused on how it happened and all the wonderful feelings that come after being completely blindsided by somebody you love. Yeah, just the greatest feelings in the world, obviously. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, that's what the song is about. And I got to write it with a few great co-writers of mine back in Florida. And yeah, this song has actually been produced like three or four times at this point. We released one version last summer and then we recorded a video for it, which is out on CMT right now. And then we actually recorded a different produced version of it like a few months later. And so we had to sync up the new audio to the old video. And that was a fun time for the video editor. And yeah, no, it's it's one of those songs that's kind of definitely evolved over the past few years. And I'm really excited with where it is now. And I think it's a nice tease or introduction into the new kind of style of music I've been producing lately. Yeah, and congratulations. 61,000 views on the video in just five months. So really good stuff from Liddy Clark. Uh, Liddy, this has been great. I know you and I are going to continue talking over on Patreon, but thank you for all this time that you've given to episode 329 of Now Hear This Entertainment. It's been great having you on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Liddy Clark. Do visit her official website at liddyclark.com and then engage with her on social media. So that means like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter and Instagram. I did all of that myself earlier today. Subscribe to her YouTube channel and then watch and like the videos on there. You've heard us talk about a couple of them. For that matter, tell Liddy that you heard her and her music and now hear this entertainment. Remember that while, yes, you can also follow her on Spotify, the better way to support Liddy is to purchase downloads of her music from iTunes, which is Apple Music. You heard her talking about new music that she's been working on, so keep up with Liddy on social media for announcement about release dates for that. Again, Liddy and I will have more conversation over in the bonus content that's only available exclusively through Patreon. There's already similar audio up there from the last almost five months worth of guests. It's only five bucks a month, and it's ad-free, and that's the only place you can get it. Go to the show website, nhte.net, hit the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button, and that will take you to where you can gain access to the exclusive content. Remember also about scrolling down on nhte.net to the tall Amazon banner to start all of your shopping through them that way so that they can kick back a small percentage of the sale to help me 
with all the expenses I have for doing this show every week for what is more than six years now. There is no extra cost to you for doing that. For now, that will do it for episode 329. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Liddy Clark. This is the one she just talked about called Hit and Run. Fast, forgetting everything I knew Forgot the crash, the burn, and only saw you I thought love, thought hope, thought fantasy To realize now that you never needed me And never was what I'd lost in your chance Wish I knew that I didn't stand a chance Right when I fell, I lost everything My heart and my head and my soul it was only a dream, didn't mean anything at all I, I, Promises in the dark made to my heart But you knew it was nothing right from the start It was a lie, it was a fairy tale, the shortest one It was a hit and run Dark made to my heart, but you knew it was nothing.